Today's episode of Recovery Survey is fueled by Brainwash Coffee Company. I'm sure you've heard that drug and alcohol use is on the rise, especially during the pandemic. And Brainwash Coffee Company is working to raise money and awareness to support people seeking help. They donate 50% of their profits and their mission is to give back to the amazing recovery community. Their why is bold and their coffee is fresh. So if you want to sip on an amazing brew that warms your mind, body, and soul, then visit brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code recovery survey at checkout to get $5 off your first order. Brainwash Coffee Company, simple coffee for complicated people. You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. I'd just be mindlessly eating until I heard thunk. And that's when I'd wake up sort of out of my eating coma, I call it. (laughs) And then I'd be like, oh no, I promised myself I wouldn't do this. I did it again. And it was just this ongoing cycle. My guest today is named Paula Yoles. She is a coach who helps empower women in emotional eating. Welcome to the show, Paula. Thanks so much, Brett, for having me on. I'm really passionate, as you are, about talking about addictions and recovery. And my name is Paula Yoles, and I help people end emotional eating. I mostly work with women. But um, I do work with men one-on-one also and work with women in groups and programs. And it started with my own story of being when I was in sixth grade. It's about when I think I started emotionally eating, just didn't have the resources for whatever reasons in my family. And I turned to food to soothe myself. And as the years went on, it became more and more and more of my go-to thing. And I've found... With my clients, a lot of them actually have had other addictions prior to food, right? Because the tricky thing is, is we have to eat food, Mm -hmm. right? Like we, we can give up alcohol, we can give up drugs, we don't need those to like live, but we have to eat. So it's this tricky thing. I didn't really know I was emotionally because when you're sixth grade, you don't really necessarily put together those pieces of the puzzle. But what I noticed is my body was getting larger and larger, and I was feeling more and more miserable inside of my thoughts. In my 20s and 30s, when I would come home from elementary school teaching, because I was elementary school teacher then, and I'd go straight to grab my spoon out of the drawer, go over to find my best friend, Ben and Jerry's, in the freezer, take it out, and I'd just be standing there going over my day, thinking all the things that I was beating myself up around emotionally or something that maybe had happened with my ex at the time or a colleague or something maybe I said to one of my students, and I'd just be mindlessly eating until I heard thunk. And that's when I'd wake up sort of out of my eating coma, I call it. (laughs) And then I'd be like, Oh, no, I promised myself I wouldn't do this. I did it again. I promised myself and it was just this ongoing cycle. And so like, I actually feel like it was like, 
two addictions and I'm still working more on one than the other. One was the eating to push down my feelings. And then the other one is addiction of negative thoughts. Mm. And the emotional eating went on for quite a while. You know, like I said, starting with sixth grade all the way. And I said into my early 30s. And again, I still didn't even know really. I wasn't labeling myself emotionally eating. I just kind of saw it more as like the outer things around my appearance and knowing I wasn't feeling good physically and emotionally. And I was out on a walk with one of my good friends and she was brave enough to take the risk and say to me, Paula, I'm really worried about you. You just seem more and more unhappy and you're putting on more and more weight. And she wasn't judging me. She was like, but she took a risk because I could have been like, fuck you or whatever. But I didn't. I paused and I was like, you know, I took the time to like think for a minute and I was like, she's right. I don't want to keep pretending because I didn't think anybody knew. I, I didn't. I wasn't really being honest with myself around what was going on of this just stuffing down my feelings with food. Um, mostly sweets. That's kind of my, that my thing like that I get drawn to. You're shaking your head. Like, <laughs> so you can, can you relate? Absolutely. Yeah. So sweets was mostly my thing, but I didn't know. And I just, and I told her instead of like going on and just pretending, I said, yeah, you're right. And she didn't have any solution. I didn't have any solution. Like I had tried everything I thought I knew there was to try. I tried different diets. I had done traditional talk therapy. I'd even done a little more woo-woo therapy. I don't really like the word woo-woo, but I think it makes it clear because people have such negative connotations, but more out-of-the-box therapy, I guess I should say. And it had helped some, but it never got to the food piece in any way. And so when my friend said that, I was like, yep, you're right. And we didn't know what, you know, she didn't have a solution. I didn't have a solution. But that was the first time I said yes to myself and to be like, yes, I want this to change. Whereas before I'd been living for years and years and years, just putting one foot in front of the other, just trying to drag myself through my day. And then, you know, like even there'd be days at school, like, when I was elementary school teaching, like I'd hop in the car during lunch and drive to the local bakery and buy a bunch of cookies and be like, oh, I'm just going to eat one and I'll put the other in the staff room. No, by the time I got back to the school in the, you know, 10 minutes, I'd eaten the whole bag of cookies I'd gotten at the bakery or whatever I'd bought. So it was like, you know, it would be interrupting even in the middle of my day where I don't know if you know, elementary school teachers don't have very much moments. So, you know, so that was a big deal to use my moments to do that because it was always on my mind. Food was always on my mind um, as a way to deal with not really dealing. Yeah, I, I, I totally relate to everything you're sharing and, and like having that moment where you realize that maybe this behavior is a problem and you know, just the whole concept. Like I, I don't know that I've ever taken the eating to that level, to that extreme, but I, I can see other aspects of my life where I have used other substances to escape my reality. And I totally, totally relate to that. And just, you know, like you're talking about setting those intentions of like, I'm only going to, I'm only going to do one. I'm only going to eat one. And then every time you end up, you're like, how did I, how did I end up here? I, I had you know, I set this intention of only having one and, and I 
did all that I had. I ate all that I had. I, I relate to that so much because I did the same thing with drugs. Like I'm only going to do a little bit and I'm going to save the rest for later or tomorrow or the weekend or whatever. And then next thing you know, Oh, the bag's gone. What happened? I, I totally get it. Same pattern, different substance, right? Exactly. Yeah. Drug, food, alcohol. Yeah. Same. So the thing is I was like, because I said yes to myself, then a few weeks later, Another sort of like magical thing happened. A different friend who was in a program called the Healers Program, she needed some practice clients. And I didn't really know much about it. She had talked about it a little bit. I knew it had something to do with food. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm willing to try anything. It had something to do with food. I didn't really know. So I went and her teacher was rotating around the different practice groups, her mentor. And he knew stuff about with me without actually knowing anything about me. Like he knew my name. They didn't really tell him anything about me. And he, it turns out he could do Asian face reading. Like if um, acupuncturists can read people's tongues and things like that. Well, you can, they can also read your face. And so I didn't know what he was doing. And I was just like, I'm in whatever this guy knows, however he's doing it. So I just opened the door. That was the next yes to me. I just opened the door to possibility of change. And again, I actually at this point didn't really quite understand I was an emotional eater. I just knew I felt miserable emotionally. I knew my I had a lot more weight on my body than I wanted to. I had a lot of chronic health problems like my knees and digestion was all messed up. And um, I said yes, and I signed up, and I ended up working with him for two years in his healer's program. His name's Tom Monty. He doesn't do that program anymore. Maybe he'll bring it back at some point. But it literally was like the space for me. Like some people find AA, and that's the space for them. His space for me, his healer's program, was my place of being supported and being transformed And it took me saying yes to myself. And that's when it came out. And his program is not for emotional eaters. It's just for people who wanted to um, learn about healing, food wellness, emotional wellness. And that was the container I needed to step into one step after another, making changes. Because again, like I couldn't cold turkey food. (laughs) So, um, And he's the one who encouraged me to get off a refined sugar. So white sugar, brown sugar. And I did it slowly. Some people cold turkey it. For me, like I get into um, like the mindset of um, I'm going to be in deprivation if I'm not allowed to have something I want to have. So I was a slow change. Plus, at the time, my son was between four to six years old because it was two years I worked with him. And so I like to do drastic changes in your family around food can be really hard on children. So it was slow changes for both of us. And I let my son eat whatever he wanted, like when he was out with friends and blah, 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 or we were at a party or whatever. But in the house, I just slowly changed things. And getting off sugar, I can't recommend that enough to anybody like it's really I I feel like it's a drug and and um my other clients some of my other clients who've gotten themselves off sugar as we've worked together they've felt it too and what ended up happening is it was a mind it was in a science experiment I didn't understand I was doing but I got off sugar I was doing all this emotional growth work with him at the same time making slow changes to my food Mm -hmm. so 
it was hard to tell like what was what because when you're doing so many changes at once, it's like you can't tell what's what. So but at a certain point, I got back on white sugar because it's just everywhere you go. It's just in everything. And if you go out socializing or it's somebody's birthday party, you know, it's just, it's there. It's, you know, your, your sugar drug is right there. And so I, at a certain point, got back on sugar and then started having negative mindset in a huge way again, in a way like that had basically 80% disappeared and all the negative thinking and negative mind chatter. And I went back on sugar. It came on back, but I didn't make the correlation at all. Then I got myself back off of sugar. And then I don't remember how long, X amount of time later, you know, months later or whatever, back on sugar again. And that's when I figured out, I was like, oh, I'm having all this negative mind thinking again. And I'm back on sugar. And I eat maple syrup and honey, and I'm okay with that. That doesn't affect me in that same way, but for some people it does. So it's not easy getting off of sugar. I'm not saying it, but it's it's mind-blowing when you go on and off. I mean, I would think it's sort of similar to going on and off to drugs, like the difference that impacts your brain. You could probably speak to that more than I because food's been my vice, so... Yeah, definitely. And I love the the correlation you made between your healing group and then, you know, finding like a 12-step group. And and I think that that's, at least for me, and it sounds like for you as well, one of the important pieces of recovery is finding that community, finding other like-minded individuals that are working towards that same goal, you know, that are all trying to better themselves and, you know, get to a better place in their life. I think that that's absolutely crucial and I'd be curious to know, I've, I've had a couple other interviews in, in the last few years with people that, that suffer with, with the food addictions and things, but only, only a handful. So I, I don't know a whole lot and I feel like I don't know all the correct terminology, but I don't what, care. <laughs> so, so you, you mentioned, and, and, and it's, it's pretty obvious, like everybody has to eat to survive. What does your program look like? And it sounds like a little bit from what I've gathered so far that it's more of of what you what you put into your body being mindful of of what substances are in those foods but what does that look like for you how do you how do you get to that place because you said you tried diets and you tried different things and that didn't work so what does it look like for you as far as like a day-to-day kind of routine or what is your what does your diet look like if that's not too much to ask no that's fine so first I want to say before I I will talk about my diet, but and my lifestyle way of eating. I want to say that it's a good fit for me. Everybody's body is so different. I like walking and hiking, but I'm not like a hardcore exerciser. So like someone who's a high core exerciser has to be really different than somebody like me. And it's just like somebody who works in construction has to be different than somebody who's an elementary school teacher or who's a, sitting at a desk all day, you know, so everybody's body's really different. There's certain things that I would say, like, generally don't serve anybody's body, like white sugar, um, or like, you know, soda pop, I would say generally doesn't really serve anybody's bodies, you know, certain things like that. But when I share about my, the way I eat, I don't want people to think that that's what I expect everybody else to eat. I think that's really important. But the bigger piece for me is the mindset piece and the inner growth work. And so I spend some time every day doing 
just stretches just to stretch my body and I listen to things. This is like, I'm really conscious of what I feed my brain. Mm. I think that's actually in some level even more important than what you're actually literally feeding your body is what you're feeding your brain. So when I was going through my transformation in my early 30s and in the healers program, I ended up listening to a music cassette that date, that dates me. <laughs> I was listening to a music cassette <laughs> in my car that was a local children's musician. And I like I listened to her over and over and over and over. And I didn't realize until years later that I put together the puzzle pieces and I avoided the news. You know, I avoided listening even to mainstream radio because kids' music, and I'm not talking like teenage music. I'm, my son was, you know, four, five, six. So I'm talking, you know, younger kid music is all feel good, positive messages. There's nothing negative in it, right? So I unintentionally, somehow wisely knew to just feed my brain with the positive kid music as I was driving around because I couldn't be in my brain. Like I couldn't, it was so uncomfortable for me to be in my brain. I needed to listen to something. And today, I think also with social media now, like social media wasn't around in that way then. So that was the beginning of like the early 2000s. I think that's so important. So I feed my brain as I'm doing gentle stretches. I listen to something that's uplifting, that feels good to me, whether it's music or a podcast that I know is going to be like positive podcast. And then I just started in the past couple of years doing a little bit of meditation. I wasn't able to do it before then because, again, like it was really hard to be in my brain. Um, sometimes I do some journaling. I make sure at some point every day I go for a walk and get outside and get fresh air. I live in Massachusetts, so even if there's like, you know, inches of snow on the ground, I just bundle up. I just think that's so important to get fresh air and body movement and sunshine. And that for me is a de-stressor. So those types of things I do, um, you know, everybody needs to find what works for them. And also it's changed for me over the years. So that, and I'm working, like I'm always on some level, I'm generally working with somebody, whether it's in with a coach or with a, um, right now I'm working with an inner child bond therapist who lives locally, you know, to further work on my mindset. Um, there's always more layers to it. I mean, even the Dalai Lama, I would say he's constantly working on his mindset too. <laughs> so, you know, that's really what's important to me. Like, I feel like it's 80% about mind, what you're doing and feeding your mind emotionally, because we're really good, quote unquote, at beating ourselves up emotionally. And I love that point you brought up about it's more important what you feed your, your mind than the actual physical food. I think that that's such a fantastic point. And it sounds like your journey is, is similar to a 12 step journey in that when we go through the step working process, we start going through some of our past and we start addressing some of those, some of those traumas and start identifying some of the reasons maybe that we started using. And it sounds like your journey with your healers program was similar in that you started doing some internal work Mm -hmm. and and like looking at it it seems from an outside perspective it's easy for people to see like oh here's your problem you're you know you have a problem with drugs you have a problem with drinking you have a problem with food 
but we got to get to that core, that root problem of why we feel that need to escape. And it sounds like that, that healer program helps you get to that root of your, of your addiction as well. Yeah, you said that perfectly. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, that is it was it was and continues to be about getting to the root of it because there's always new roots growing in the trees, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, because that's part of being human. So yes, yeah, so the healers program held that container for me. And of like getting to the root cause, working around stuff around my family dynamics, working around stuff around my own inner dynamic with myself, and working a lot of times um, especially for women, there's a lot of suppressed anger because we're not allowed to be angry. Um, we're told that we're witches or bitches <laughs> or you know other unnice things if we get angry, and anger is a normal thing to feel. So that gets stuffed down. So I did a lot of anger release work, and this is the type of things I work on with my clients to help them shift and release what's going on from, you know, the things from the past that are showing up in the present, which is the root causes. So, yeah. And then you asked me about my food. So I'll just throw that out there. So I eat high plant-based. Um, I eat fish. I love shellfish, but I'm now allergic to it, so I can't eat it. And I, like I said, I don't eat refined sugar generally. Like when I went home for was Thanksgiving, I actually did have a little bit of some carrot cake but I knew like I could only have a little bit because if I had more, you know, and I, and I, and so I just, I bring like my family knows I'm going to bring usually a dessert that works for me. And I bring enough to share um, so that I can have something and I love it and it's delicious, but it's just made with stuff that's not going to, you know, trigger me as an addiction in the same way. And I don't eat dairy because my, I don't feel good when I eat it. Like when I was little, I used to think the milk was bad days before my fa anybody else in my family did. So like that's just my body. Yes, yeah, so I eat high plant-based and, you know, I try to cook as much as I can. Um, but I go out to rest. Like I'm going out to restaurant for friends. You know, there's always good stuff somewhere to find somehow. So... I think it's just figuring out what works for your individual body is the key thing. And then there's just like, like I said, my top recommendation was try to get yourself off of refined sugar. And most of us don't eat enough vegetables. Even vegetarians or vegans often don't actually eat enough vegetables. So that would say up your vegetables. Awesome. Well, if you wouldn't mind, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about the services you offer. If someone's interested in doing some coaching, that kind of thing, where they can find you, what your program looks like. Um, just give us some more information about that. Oh, thanks, Brett, for asking. So the best place to find me is on Facebook. Um, I have a Facebook group called End Emotional Eating Sisterhood. Obviously, if you're a male or um, uh, in somewhere in between the genders, that's not a good fit for you, but you can always just reach out and message me there on Facebook. And I'm also on Instagram. So those are the two best places to find me. And Instagram is just my name, Polly Oles. Facebook, you can find me the same thing, Polly Oles. And um, you can see the show notes for how to spell my name and because <laughs> it's a little tricky. And so, uh, yeah, the work I do one-on-one -on -one or in group is helping women 
And I said, also, I work with men one-on-one, helping you end emotional eating, but really working on the 80% of the inner emotional work layers so that you can release those root causes and not have them keep showing up. And then you can have a peaceful relationship with your food, with your body, and actually with yourself. Mm, I love that. I love that. Anything else that you'd like to share with us? Uh, I just want to say that it's not easy getting off the food addiction. And, you know, and like I said, you have to eat to live, but it's possible. Find the support you deserve. Everybody deserves support. Find the container that's a match for you. And, um, you know, just keep trying. It's very easy to give up hope around it because it's not something that you can just totally pull out. And also, a lot of people don't acknowledge food as an addiction. Mm. And I just want to say it's real. It's, it's something real. And you, there's lots of different ways to find support for yourself. So you deserve to eat healthy and you deserve to think healthy. I love that. And and just to kind of tag on to what you said, and I think it's applicable in any form of addiction, you know, sometimes the first thing that we try might not be the right fit for us. So we might have to try several different programs or several different groups or several different mindsets, like several different things before we find the one that fits for us. Just like you were talking about with the diet, you found the diet that works for you, but that might not necessarily work for me or for somebody that's listening. So I've I've found that myself in recovery that there there's a little bit of trial and error and finding what works for you and what resonates with you and it's okay to try something different. I think a lot of us at least in the recovery community we get stuck in this mindset of like I go to this program, this is what I do. I can't go to this. I can't be a part of that because I'm a member of this fellowship or I do this, you know, whatever activity. And I think it's so important for us to be open-minded to grow and change and try new things. So like you're saying, find the group that, that fits for you. Find the group that, you know, is going in the same direction that you're going in and uplifts you and, and, you know, is ultimately trying to help you. And it might take a little bit of time to find that. But once you find it, like you'll, you'll know when you find it. You will. I agree. Thank you so much, Brett. Absolutely, Paula. Thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure talking with you. Same. Paula, it was so great connecting with you today. And I love seeing the similarities between the different types of addictions and that we're all working towards the same thing and working on those root causes and working to live a better, healthier life. So thank you again for coming on the show. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.